welcome to Align Your Mind. My name is Chelsea Tanner. I am a flutist and a life and mindset coach for musicians. And today is part two of our self-love series. And last week, if you didn't catch last week, it's all about self-acceptance and finding avenues and ways of accepting yourself and I give you kind of a question and an exercise to do. And so if you've done that, that's amazing. It's an amazing first step. And to gain awareness really about how your brain is working and what it's really really thinking and saying about you. You want to know that stuff because you want to be able to change it. If you don't know what it is, you can't change it. It's sort of like you, if you don't know what part of something is broken, like you can't fix it. So... And not that you need to be fixed. It's an analogy, not perfect language. <laughs> but today is part two. And we're going to be talking about self-compassion. And with self-compassion, I want to talk about self-witnessing. This is basically witnessing yourself go through experiences. As you witness yourself, what you do, what you don't do, what you think or don't think, this is basically a response to yourself. When we don't acknowledge that we have this part, this voice in our head, right, that's self-critical, that's witnessing us and our experience and what we decided to do, and then shaming us for it, right? When inherently that version of you who decided to not do the thing you said you'd do or whatever else it might be something that your brain is criticizing you for that part of you is not bad that part of you is not wrong what's making it wrong is that voice that's telling you it is and that is what we're going to talk about today because you can witness yourself with love and compassion or you can witness yourself with self-judgment. I think that there are many different ways to talk about this, but I love thinking about you as a person and then sort of your this voice coming in and witnessing you and judging you or not judging you or whatever it might be. That's what I mean by witnessing. And some people are tempted to say that they're just self-aware, that they're just lazy, and that's a fact. I mean, it's not because it's an opinion, but <laughs> they, they think like, oh, actually, I take pride in how aware I am of my deficiencies. And I think deficiencies are an opinion. I think lazy is an opinion. <laughs> I think that all of those things are just opinions. But I think people are afraid to let go of those opinions and to treat themselves with compassion because they don't think they'll get anything done otherwise. If this is you, this is the pot. You're in the right place. <laughs> this is the podcast for you. And I think we may not always like the way we operate, but harsh self-criticism can, be, can become an identity shift, right? Instead of saying, oh, that was like a lazy thing to me, for me to do, becomes I'm lazy. 
or, oh, that was kind of an irresponsible decision. Oh, I'm irresponsible, right? So those things are different. They feel different if you think those, those two different ways. And I'm going to go into an example here. Let's say that you said you'd practice three hours today and you only did one. The you that made the decision not to practice, that just happened. There were thoughts and feelings that were had that led you to not practice. Maybe you prioritized something else. Maybe you were tired. Um, Who knows? Maybe you got caught up in instant gratification on TikTok. It happens, right? It isn't good or bad inherently, right? Like we always kind of put on these like moral projections onto our decisions. But it is important how we witness ourselves having made that decision. Picture yourself that chose not to practice. What are you inclined to say to that version of you? Do you want to judge them? Do you want to call them lazy? Do you want to tell them all the reasons they won't be successful? This is judgmental witnessing. This witnessing is how we shame ourselves. We don't change ourselves by witnessing and judging. We don't change that version of ourselves that was witnessed and judged. We just are witnessing and judging them. And that's why we feel shame. And that voice in our head usually comes from learned experiences. Usually comes from things we've heard before, implicit memories, things that we have learned to see as good or bad or lazy or productive. And it's not all just true. I say this because I think when we, when we see behind the facade of like what, like what is productive, who freaking cares if it is, like we're all surviving that is the main goal of our brain and body and on top of that we just have all been caught up in this kind of hustle culture where we think that our value comes from our productivity and that kind of stinks but I mean here we are (laughs) just know that if you're criticizing yourself that likely isn't because you like really intentionally decided I'm going to be mean to myself in order to motivate myself. Usually we don't decide that. It just happens. And I have to say music school is a very conducive environment for that to be developed. And that's why I think so many musicians have a really terrible relationship with themselves because that's the only way they know how to operate. And I want you to think if you were witnessing a child and they didn't practice as much as they said they would. Would you be taking a different approach? (laughs) Perhaps maybe you'd want to witness them with understanding and kindness and love. Try on these questions as you witness yourself. I notice you didn't practice like you said you would. Is everything okay? Like, were you feeling okay today? What could we do next time to make things easier 
could I maybe leave a little bit more time to get to my practice room? Could I schedule in some things? Should I practice earlier? Should I practice later? When do I focus my best? Really just sort of, you know, planning things out for yourself so it's easy. How can we make long-term gratification or kind of just our process more enjoyable? And how can we make it so it feels better to do the stuff that we don't want to? Because I assume if you are avoiding it, there's probably a reason. It's okay that you didn't practice. You did the best you could today. Those are questions that are interested in understanding and getting curious about what's really going on. And if you think you should just be able to do everything you say you're going to do, and there's going to be like no (laughs) imperfections there, and if you are imperfect, then you're lazy and irresponsible, like that's not how it works. And the reason I said that you did the best you could, some people might not think that. So to everyone who says that you didn't do your best, when you chose not to practice. Like your best would have been practicing. Well, your your best was what happened because your your made up imaginary best does not exist because you didn't practice. I would argue that since you didn't practice, you couldn't have practiced because you didn't. Really thinking in alternate timelines isn't helpful because it's only going to make you feel bad. I'm all for learning, obviously, about what we can do to be efficient and productive, but I think there's a way to get there through genuine curiosity and compassion. I think about that example of a kid again. If they feel shame about practicing, they're not going to want to do it again. Same with you. So if you're shaming yourself for not doing enough, really consider taking another approach. And you can always just go back to what you were doing before. This is always my my selling point for self-compassion. Is like, if you feel like you can't let go of your anxiety and shame and guilt around like what you need to do, because then you won't do it. Um, just try self-compassion. And if it doesn't work, you can go back. No one's stopping you. You can do whatever you want. (laughs) I I will say, it feels so much better to not shame myself. And I get just as much done. I just, anyway. (laughs) So, being a compassionate witness to yourself, it just gives you room to breathe. Like, okay, yeah okay, yeah, no, I didn't practice three hours. I practiced one hour. It was a good hour, you know, or maybe it wasn't. And now I can ask myself all these really curious questions and really apply those things to what I'm going to do next time. Now, this is kind of like self-parenting, right? Like parents witness their children and they act and respond to how their children act. And that's how children learn what's right and what's wrong. 
usually through their parents' reactions to things. And here's an example of this uh, that I think might hit home to a lot of people. Say there's a parent who doesn't want their child to go into music. So they start talking judgmentally about the path they're about to go down. You won't be financially stable. Don't you care about your future? So few people have jobs in their industry and it's dying anyway. Maybe you should be a doctor or a lawyer instead. Have you thought about that? You didn't get into like a really, really good conservatory. So like, can you do this still? The field seems so competitive. To this child, these comments and questions and criticisms are likely going to be interpreted as they don't think I'm good enough. This parent is probably witnessing in an attempt to change the child's mind because they want what's best for them. They want them to feel secure and established. But there's so much judgment in this subtext. An alternative might look like, why did you decide to go into music? I want to know everything. What's it like to perform? What's your favorite part? I've heard it's a really difficult industry, which of course I worry about as your parent. Is there any aspects that excite you about this career path? What is it like? Really getting curious about what's going on, trying to understand and having compassion you're your parent now. If you've heard this stuff before from someone else, maybe a teacher or a parent or a critical uncle, maybe, <laughs> or a family friend, um, do these thoughts still come up? I know they do for me. And whenever something in my life is sort of proving those voices true, the amount of judgmental self-witnessing that happens automatically is kind of crazy. And just to look out for that, not getting a job, not getting an audition, not doing certain things. Like whenever those things happen, we tend to go into judgmental self-witnessing because we've learned that along the way. And we don't have to. We don't have to keep using the words that other people said to us against ourselves. They're not here anymore. <laughs> so put them down. If you wanted to understand someone's perspective, someone's intelligence, someone's experience, you'd ask really curious questions. You'd tell them it was okay. You'd say, yeah, we're going to do a little bit more tomorrow because now I know that my phone needs to be on Do Not Disturb. And now I know that X, Y, and Z. Maybe you're not practicing as much as you want to because you're talking to yourself in really judgmental ways too. 
and that feels bad and I don't want to practice if that's how I'm practicing right like if that's how I'm talking to myself I don't want to practice either but unless you really take a step back and witness yourself with intention and maybe a little bit of love right it's going to be a lot of judgment compassion isn't letting yourself off the hook it's being able to see to understand to witness to get curious about and to hold space for that part of you that didn't do what you intended when we are able to feel love and compassion for ourselves We are so much more willing to do the things that we said we were going to do before, right? And I, I mean, do whatever you want, but I would just try it. Like, what would compassion do right now? Like, how would compassion practice? How would they treat me? How would love treat me as I practiced? That's a beautiful question. And if you're not into it and you want to like keep tearing yourself down, just know this. Negatives do not equal positives. You can't add enough negatives together to equal a positive. Your confidence depends on what you really think of yourself. And if you can't accept yourself, it's very hard to be confident. And this isn't the only way to confidence, but I really think that if you want to change your relationship with yourself, acceptance and compassion are the first two steps. All right, my friends. I will be back next week with part three of our self-love series, all about love and what it means and how it feels to love yourself and to be in relationship with yourself because this stuff ebbs, ebbs and flows. Just like with the people you love, you don't love them 100% of the time. Sometimes you're annoyed with them. But there is this underlying current of love, and that's what we'll talk about next week. If this interested you, I have the coolest new offer that I'm so excited to share with you all. If you heard the podcast last week, you've already heard it, but it is an opportunity to transform your relationship with yourself and your instrument or whatever you want to work on kind of mostly you and your instrument and yourself, right? Um, In 30 days, 30 days, three sessions, it's really mind-blowing. The things that we can change in a short amount of time. And I'm excited to help you do it. So if you're interested in that, book a discovery call. There's a link in the show notes. It's an hour on Zoom. You and me chat about things and we discuss whether this would be a good fit for you. No pressure, and if you're interested at all, just book a session. See what happens. All right, I will see you next week.